I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric at home of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. Hey, today we welcome Nathan Coleman to the show. Nathan, how are you? Hey, Doug. How's it going, buddy? Very good. You recently wrote a piece for full press coverage that there's room for optimism about the offense. Before we get into that, though, uh, I was hoping you could start out by telling us some of the advanced numbers and statistics that we'll be hearing hearing about for those that might not be familiar with them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll try to keep it simple. You know, we talk too much about analytics. A lot of people's eyes can kind of glass, gloss over, and we don't want that. So, um, I mean, really, we'll use some basic stats for the most part. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about Haskins in a bit, but I'm not going to use anything that you guys haven't heard of, and if I use it, I'll, I'll explain it. Okay, well, let's start there then. Sophomore jump for quarterbacks is – uh, commonplace, yes? Uh, can you say that one more time? Sorry, you broke up first. The uh, sophomore jump that we expect for quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, when, when people think of quarterbacks in the NFL, they, they tend to think of the worst-case scenario. They think of sophomore slumps. And probably the most recent example would be someone like Baker Mayfield. Um, but – in reality, in, in the research that I've done, and you can check out my article for that, but uh, I've seen a big increase since 2015 when you're talking about second-year quarterbacks. Um, and I kind of have the details here, but quarterbacks in general in year two, they tend to see an increase in yards per attempt, in adjusted yards per attempt, completion percentage, success rate, touchdown rate, which is the amount of touchdowns you throw per pass attempts. And they also see an increase in interceptions. So you got a lot of positive variables there when you all add it up together. Are there numbers that show that it's better to throw a quarterback in immediately in year one? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, different topics on that. And really – it just kind of depends. I mean, I think it's best to put a quarterback in right away, but that's assuming he has a good foundation and the team supports him and is going to build a scheme around his talent and then insulate that team with offensive playmakers that can help him out. Uh, and you kind of saw the opposite of that happen in, uh, in, in Washington, D.C. last year, as opposed to you know someone like Kyler Murray, where the entire air raid offense was built around his skills as a as a runner and a dual threat passer. Do you think switching from scheme to scheme will affect the numbers adversely? Yeah, absolutely. They, they, it depends on the scheme. So a good example of that is Baker Mayfield. People want to know how is he so good and broke the rookie touchdown record in you know 2018? How does he take a step back? Well, a lot of that had to do with play calling and building a scheme that wasn't really conducive to what Baker does best. Baker is actually a lot better out of tighter formations, you know, 12 personnel, which means two tight ends, three tight ends. He's a lot better out of those sets. He's not as good in spread because when you spread the ball out, that means you only have five offensive linemen protecting you, and he's not that good under pressure. So you have to build it around a quarterback's strengths, and it seems like Washington and Cleveland didn't do that last year. 
you said the numbers for the offense only have room to go up. There's no doubt about it. The team was bottom of the barrel statistically. What kind of jump do you expect for this new uh, outfit? Yeah, I mean, I so I, I think the when you're 32nd or 30th or 31st in basically every single category, a natural regression is going to hit. The vast majority of teams that that fall under those buckets, they always bounce back next year. Now, it's not a bounce back to go from last to first. That's not very common. That would be very rare. But you can at least expect this offense to go from terrible to maybe bad. And I know that doesn't sound very uh, optimistic, but that type of jump is incredibly significant. You're talking about, for example, uh, in my article, I I talk about pace of play and, and plays per game you're essentially most teams that run as few plays per game as Washington, they see an increase of over 70 more plays the next year. And to kind of put that in context, because I know that doesn't mean a lot. Plays is equivalent to over an entire game of offense. That's, that's over 350 extra yards of offense. That's more than two extra touchdowns. Um, That's a lot of points when you're a team that's, struggles to score and it makes it makes all the difference in the world that's incredible to think about and and that that was part of the biggest problem go ahead no no go ahead last year part of the biggest problem was the scoring famine in washington yeah absolutely i mean if you look at i think one of the most amazing uh, not amazing. It is amazing, but it's it's just sad. I mean, when you look at their pace of play, they were they were thirty second in plays per game. So obviously, yeah, I think they wanted to run less plays to not expose Haskins, but they were also ranked thirtieth in seconds per play when trailing. That means they had no sense of urgency. They had they had no uh, desire to increase the tempo of the game to try to get back in the game. And that's ridiculous when you consider that teams that lead at halftime win 80% of the time in the NFL. So you should have incentive to try to get a lead early. And that means throwing the ball early on early downs in the first quarter and being aggressive. You can't sit back and rest on your laurels and expect to have a modern offense in 2020 when, when you're so conservative. To that point, you had mentioned in the article, and we're talking to Nathan Coleman today, who wrote a fantastic article article for full press coverage. Up tempo and throwing on early downs, every anything else is antiquated, right? Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, you know cheat codes in the NFL to being more optimal, and Washington is going to have to deal with. They, they just they don't have a talented group of skill position players. It's just it's not in the cards this year. And that's OK. You can use your scheme. You can use your play calling. You can use you can use other ways to mask your deficiencies. And that's what the best play callers can do. And I'm pretty confident that Scott Turner is kind of cut from the same cloth as his dad. And he's someone who he builds his offense around his best players. And I think that's what you're going to see. You're going to see more pre-snap motion. You're going to see more play action. You're going to see more pass attempts on early downs because those are ways to play with the lead and get ahead, and then you can rely on that pass rush. Our, everyone talks about how great our pass rush is and how our defense is going to be a top-10 defense. Well, 
script and playing with a lead. If you can't play with a lead, you, you can't pin your ears back and pass rush. You have no idea what the offense is going to throw at you, and that's how you get in those deficits. So I think the biggest indicator of how good our defense can be is our offense. That, that's what drives it. Did I read correctly that Scott Turner threw the ball uh, on first down more than anybody else in the league last year? Yes, he did. And, you know, that's a small sample, Doug, because they he was only the play caller for, I believe, four games. Um, but you, you can in the NFL, everything is small samples, so you don't want to extrapolate too much. But, yeah, he was very aggressive. And uh, Carolina was kind of a different situation where they had really good skill position players but poor quarterback play. And uh, we'll, we'll get familiar with Kyle Allen now that he's here, but, I mean – they, they have a perfect group of skill position players. It just, they didn't have the right quarterback in place. So I'm hoping that they can kind of do the opposite here and eventually get some weapons for Dwayne. But I think it's going to suit Dwayne's style of play a little bit more. It's more up-tempo. It's more early passes. He's someone who he needs to get in a rhythm and he's a, he's a good intermediate passer. He's a lot like, I know you cringe when you hear this, but he's a lot like Jameis Winston. He can throw the ball, you know, you know, 10 to 15 yards down the field incredibly accurately. And that's where we need to take advantage. And I kind of talked about uh, one thing I mentioned in the article is like on third down, one of the most effective routes on third down is a dig route. And uh, it has a higher conversion rate than a check down, a throw to the flat or a curl route combined. And it's something that Dwayne was actually excellent at in, in uh, last year. He, that was one of his best routes that he threw to but they just didn't run it that much. They weren't aggressive on third down. You have to be aggressive if you want to convert opportunities like that and you want to extend drives and score more points. Explain to the audience what a dig route is. Yeah, so uh, in basic terms, a dig route is you're running – it depends on the scheme, but you're running about – it's usually the X receiver or the receiver on the outside, and you're running about 10 yards down the field, and then you're by the hashes essentially. So, so in man-to-man, they're going to follow that receiver. It's basically you think of it as a big square. And when you, when you create that big square, it creates a ton of space underneath because most, most defenses on third field down because they, they force you to make the hardest throw possible. But for someone with, like Dwayne who has incredible arm talent, that, that's where he makes his money. That's, that's an easier throw for him. My jaw hit the ground when I read this because I didn't even think it would have to be something explained. Throwing short of the sticks is a bad thing, but yet the previous regime did that in abundance. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Um, there, there's a lot of research about It's intuitive when you think about it, but the, the worst thing you can do on third and long is, is throw short of the sticks. You can throw, and when I say sticks, I mean wherever the third down marker is. Um, if you can throw beyond the third down marker and your chance of a turnover or interception don't really change that much. And I think if you showed a lot of coaches that they wouldn't agree, but the, the data is the data. It's a fact and coaches are just very conservative and they'd rather punt the ball than extend the play. But in the modern NFL, you, the best quarterbacks, the best offenses are guys who can extend plays and, and keep it going. So I, yeah, it's, that's why I said like a dig route is perfect because it, it's beyond the sticks. But, you know, Washington was just – they were terrible on third down last year. I think they, they might have ranked 
23rd in yards to go on third down, but they rank dead last in yards completed on third down. And that's, again, a lot of check downs and not being aggressive and putting Dwayne in a bad situation where he's going to take a sack. You had suggested red zone improvements. The system will use tight ends a lot more in that way. They have some big tight ends. The team has been lacking for tight end production for some time now. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think tight end has been a big uh, position of contention for a long time with this team. When when they did have Jordan Reed, he was an excellent player. Obviously, he has the injury history, but uh, he, he's not an inline blocker. So it's really hard to use him when you want to run the ball with, you know, 11 personnel, three receivers and a tight end because he can't seal the edge at all. Um, and then uh, compound that in 2018, they, they had Jordan Reed healthy for a lot of the year and they never targeted him in the end zone. I think he had one target in the red zone all year. So they, they went out of their way to not target their best player in the most critical part of the field. Um, but this year, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a little different. Uh, I like Logan Thomas a lot. I think he's, I think he's at least a solid like tight end too. And he's, he's athletic, but he also can block. Um, so I think he's pretty versatile, but I, I honestly, I don't think our tight end one is on the roster right now. I think, I think next year we're going to hit the draft hard because it, it's a pretty deep class at tight end and receiver. So I could see us going that route. But, yeah, tight end is a, is a, it's a great way to attack the uh, defense in the red zone because you want to have tight formations that look like you're going to run and then use the pass out of those. Do you think that the team will use more two running back sets? Yes, I do. Uh, so, yeah, 21 personnel is uh, – it's a cheat code in the NFL. It, it, uh, a lot of teams don't use it because they think you have to have a fullback, but essentially what 21 personnel does, and that's two running backs and one tight end, it forces the defense to play in a base package, which is three linebackers and four down linemen. And that means that you have running backs that can line up one-on-one with safeties or linebackers. And we have two running backs who that's just perfect for. You have Antonio Gibson, who's a, who's a speed freak and played receiver and running back in college. And then JD McKissick, who played wide receiver in college as well. So both of those guys are guys that you can line up and then you can motion them out. And when you motion them out, you can also, it gives away what the defense is playing, whether they're playing zone or man. So there's a lot of ways we can use 21. Um, and I think it, it kind of plays towards our roster strengths because we don't have a lot of depth at receiver tight end, but we do have a little bit of depth at running back. So it kind of makes sense. Am I right that the numbers support the the most productive way to run the ball is out of shotgun? Uh, really, uh, it just depends. So, so running the ball has it. It kind of goes against the grain with this, but running the ball has everything to do with blocking and men in the box. It has very little to do with the running back itself. That's why yards per carry. It's not a predictive stat. It's a descriptive stat. It, it has very little to do with the running back. Um, and and you can it bears that out if you just go look at the best running teams. They tend to have they tend to not play against stacked boxes or they have a mobile quarterback or they have a superior offensive line. But running running out of shotgun is good if, if you're if you're not playing with a stacked box. And a lot of times if you're if you're running out of shotgun, there's probably only two linebackers in and you're going six on five essentially, which is pretty good numbers. But the uh, best, 
the best personnel package to run the ball out of last year was four receivers, no tight end, and a running back. And uh, that I, we probably won't use that very much, but I believe the average yards per carry on that formation was well over six yards per carry because you're basically running five on five. It's a numbers game. In his most recent Zoom conference, Ron Rivera was discussing uh, the percentage of times that they won when they ran for over 100 yards. But the numbers don't suggest that that's quite as important as old school football guys suggest. Is that true? Yeah, it's absolutely true. It's just uh, what that is, is just coach talk. Um, it, it means nothing. Rush, rush attempts don't matter at all. It's, it's all about efficiency. And, and th that's efficiency is the name of the game. So whatever gives you the highest yards per play is what you want to go with. And the numbers bear out that throwing the ball is usually more efficient. Now that doesn't mean like running isn't very important because it is, it's just when you choose to run, you want to run on downs when the defense doesn't expect you to run and you want to throw when the defense doesn't expect you to throw. So it's a game of misconception, misdirection and optimizing play calling. Uh, to that point, more and more teams uh, are throwing the ball to establish the run. Yes. Yes. I mean, uh, that's pretty common nowadays. Uh, I, the, the whole establish the run, establish the pass, it, again, it's kind of just coach talk, cliche. It really doesn't mean anything. Um, but I do think if you want to run the ball successfully, play with a lead. And the best way to play with a lead is to throw the ball or – or at least run the ball when it's efficient to do so. And if you can play with the lead, you're going to be more efficient at running the ball. Case in point, the Baltimore Ravens, they, they ran barely any plays all year because they, they were always winning, but they were one of the best rushing teams because they would get with the lead and then defenses just couldn't stop them after that. It was like opening up the floodgates. It also doesn't hurt when you have a cheat code for a quarterback, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Do you? I know you are also doing some fantasy stuff. Do you have some uh, draftable uh, Washington players, and then maybe a couple of under the radar sneaky guys we're not thinking of? Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I play. I think I have uh, ten different dynasty teams, and then I play in a few redraft leagues, and I do a lot of best ball too, which is basically you draft a team and then you don't touch it the rest of the year. But for Washington, uh, there's not really the only player. I on is Terry McLaurin. He, right now he's going in the fifth or sixth round. I think he has a great chance of being a wide receiver one, but he's being drafted like a wide receiver two. And I don't, I think the common like fantasy or casual football fan, they don't understand that the Washington offense, they're going to be bad, but they're, they're going to throw the ball so much more than they ever have. Uh, I think last year they had 863 total plays. This year, I'm projecting them to have over a thousand plays, so that's a that's a huge increase in volume. And then McLaurin has nobody to compete with for targets. I mean, they're going to be behind in every single game. He he should see at least five to eight targets every single game. So he's he's an obvious one. But uh, if you want to get really really deep, I, I think Logan Thomas is like a sneaky play for uh, you know if you have a, a huge roster on a dynasty team and you need a tight end too. I think he's going to get a lot of play as well. But, and then of course I, I have to mention my guy, Steven Sims went to the same college as me. I got to see him play pretty much his whole career here at, at KU, but 
I, I think he's going to outperform his average draft position as well. I, it, it's going it, to, it's hard for him not to, I mean, they're just going to see so much volume and he's, he's, he has those easy receptions in the middle of the field. And I, I could see him having a pretty strong target share this year. He destroyed the league at the end of last season. He did. He was the wide receiver seven in PPR leagues, the final four games of the year, which is pretty amazing for an undrafted guy. His, his, I saw um, his receiver coach said he has the, the fastest feet he's seen since Antonio Brown. Yeah, and I've seen people kind of compare him a little bit to Brown. I mean, he, he definitely didn't test very well at the combine, but it was my understanding that he might have been hurt or something like that. But on the field, I mean, he looks very fast. I, I think they clocked him on the next-gen stats as one of the 20 fastest receivers for his uh, kick return. So he definitely has some top end speed for sure. The organization has made it a, a key to start drafting high spark guys all over the place. I've noticed. Yeah. And that's, that's all I can ask for. I mean, that's music to someone like me. I, I've been waiting for them to do something like this for a long time. They just, it seems like the organization had no pulse on analytics or numbers or anything like that until maybe like a year ago, they, they just have like no one, but it seems like they're starting to understand that the more information you get, the better. And I, I think the greatest coaches of all time will tell you that from uh, Bill Walsh, Bill Belichick, even like owners like Al Davis, if you read a uh, gridiron genius, they talk about this a lot, but every detail that you add is, is more, uh, is more ammunition that you have to get the best evaluation on a player. So knowing a player's hand size and stuff like that might not seem important, but it does when you have more historical data to go off of. The previous regime had two people in the analytics department. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. It just, it blows your mind in the modern NFL. I mean, the, if you think about all the best teams, the best dynasties, the best orgs, all of them have an analytics department. You look at the Eagles, the, the Patriots, Hell, the Cowboys are actually one of the first teams ever, like, use analytics. J Jerry Jones and uh, one of his business par partners are actually the ones who invented, uh, like, draft day evaluations by the numbers. They did it accidentally, but, I mean, most, most NFL teams, like, don't really have an analytics department until maybe five years ago. So it's good that we're getting with the times finally. Nathan, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you dropped out for just a second. Well, my friend, this was a whole lot of fun. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. You got anything uh, coming up? Yeah. We can check out from you? Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks again for having me on. Uh, I, I'm, pro I'm working on an article right now where I project the, the offensive numbers for the team. So I'll go quarterback, receiver, tight ends, running backs. I'll project it all out. And I'll probably be releasing that in the next two weeks. And that'll be on FF, FPC Washington. Um, so you can check that out on Twitter. My, my Twitter handle is jhawkchalk. Uh, and, yeah, you can DM me or send me a tweet anytime, and I'll respond. So, again, thanks for having me on. Uh, thank you, bud.